Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode five of Teaching Tales. Once again, I am Brent Coley, your host, and today I am honored and very excited to have with me as a guest my superintendent, Mr. Pat Kelly. He's going to join us today. Pat, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you have an extremely busy schedule. Oh, thank you, Brent. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Well, Pat, um, give us a little background kind of in terms of, tell us a little about yourself in regard to where you started teaching and that type of thing. Well, I started teaching back in 1990 down in San Diego, San Diego County, and my wife and I came up here uh, shortly thereafter. So I've been here in Marietta for 26 years and so saw our district, our community grow in such an amazing way. I think we had about 2,000 students when we first got here, and now we have 23,000. And that tells a little bit of the story of the opportunity that presented itself during the years that I was here, and I've just been uh, very fortunate and blessed to uh, has, have served as a, as a teacher, an assistant principal, a principal, and uh, uh, moved up through human resources and now uh, superintendent of the district. Well, that's when I started this podcast, you were one of the people I thought of first in terms of I would love to have you on because I've said we all have stories. I mean, you say, oh, my gosh, I could write a book with all the stories. This is like the audio book of stories that everyone has to tell. And you've, from middle school teacher, like you said, middle school teacher, AP, principal, all the way up to superintendent, you have a lot of stories to tell. I have a lot of stories. And when we were talking off off camera, off mic, before we started recording, you, you mentioned that you wanted to kind of share your story and, and how awareness, was that what, awareness is yeah. in terms of how sometimes personal can affect professional. Is yeah. that right? So, yeah, I thought I, I thought I could share a little bit about um, some of those years and how it interfaced with the job I had at the time, but how my personal life and the things that were happening in my personal life also shaped professionally mm. how you take a look at our profession and what we do and our mission and how we accomplish that. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as I said, when my wife and I came up here, um, back in 1991, that was before kids. And, um, now 26 years later, we have four kids. Well, those kids came to us in a little bit different ways. We had three biological kids and my wife and I being educators, we had three kids who just fell right into school. (laughs) They, they loved it. They did their homework they learned uh, things uh, readily and easily. They were eager. They were bright-eyed. They uh, uh, did things that they were told to do, and we thought we were just super parents. <laughs> and uh, you know, did some did some great things. And as a teacher, and even as a young administrator, I found myself to be—I'll um, use the word judgmental. Mm about uh, other families and other people and thinking, well, this is not that difficult. This is easy to be able to uh, have your kids do this and have them learn at this rate. Why aren't you doing your homework? Why why aren't you getting your homework done? Exactly. I I couldn't understand what in the world would be impeding people uh, from this. And and then something very humbling uh, happened to us, uh, and it was... uh, really a true blessing that shaped us certainly uh, very personally. Um, But I have found that it 
did and still does on a daily basis guide me in my job today professionally. And so I really love talking with administrators and teachers about, about, that, about that shift. And that change for us came uh, back in 2004, and we adopted uh, our fourth child. Uh, and he came from Russia, and he was six years old at the time. And uh, he has been, he's now almost 20. Mm. And it has been a, a, an absolute joy for our family. But me per- personally as a father and as an educator have learned so much more because of him mm. than I did of, with our other three kids sure. about education and about kids and the challenges that are really facing educators today. This is complex work. It is very difficult. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it's humbling. <clears throat> But uh, Saroja came to us, uh, you know, we had uh, had the opportunity to adopt him at six years old, and we uh, enrolled him the week before Christmas break uh, of first grade back in uh, 2004, and, uh, and he had not, didn't know a word of English. Mm. And so it has been really great having the perspective of an English learner uh, and really knowing what it's like as language develops and how that impacts so many different things uh, along along the way. Because you had him in your you had the students in your class, right? But now you've got him in your home, right? And seeing it from the other side. Yeah, and uh, saying that that thing one time doesn't necessarily mean that it's going mm-hmm. to work. And uh, uh, as a parent. Um, he taught us that quite often, that the things that we took for granted mm-hmm. that just happened so easily and naturally, this took work. And he was not different or atypical than a lot of kids that we see in our community. Um, he's very normal, yeah. very average, uh, awesome young man, um, but he was just wired different than we were. And so I, we've just gained such an appreciation for the beauty of different and honoring and loving on, hey, it's a different package, it's a different wiring, it it looks different, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So then, as a professional, what do we do when that comes about? And how do we make that, how do we make that work for all kids? Because we've got lots. And and they don't all, they don't all fit into into that box, right. that that mold, if you will. Um, yeah. as, a, as a parent myself, I, I, I can totally relate in terms of the way I taught before I had kids, as opposed to, especially when they got to the elementary level, which I taught for my career, I, <laughs> because I'd never been asked. The homework assignments that I had sent home in the past now, when my son or daughter came home with that, it'd be like, "What's the point of this?" But I had to stop and look at the look in the mirror and say, "Yeah, Brent, what was the point of that? Because you gave the same type of type, same type of assignment, and yeah. and it was humbling, because like you, it's kind of like you you did. But I think until you're in those, you you've walked a mile in those shoes. Yeah, and I think that's so important that we have to be we have to be mindful and take ourselves out of our circumstances. 
um, that may limit our understanding of what kids and what families' stories are and mm-hmm. what they're bringing to the table um, because they are complex and they are difficult to work, work through. But I think one of the things that, that you know, we've certainly learned is um, our role as educators is first and foremost, I believe, that we create and establish healthy, positive, loving, nurturing relationships with kids. When you do, when one human being does that with another human being, learning can then happen. Yeah. And that is such a basic need that needs to be established for every single one uh, of, of our students. And that's tough because they're all coming from different places mm-hmm. and some of those connections are so easy to make and some are more difficult. And so, you know, as, as I go back and, and think about our son's progression as he went through the K-12 system, um, those relationships were, were absolutely critical as he was learning language, mm-hmm. as he was learning uh, uh, literacy, as he was, uh, you know, beginning his career with the things that he needed to do to be a successful student. And then as he progressed through middle school and then, uh, and, and then through high school, what we found is that we had a young man who really wasn't interested too much in sitting six hours a day <laughs> in a school. And that's not, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-mm. But our schools are designed in such a way yeah. where it can be torture. I would argue that most aren't <laughs> interested in sitting for six hours a day. Right. They're just compliant, and they and they will. That's right. <laughs> and, and that was something we had to learn because we had three very, very compliant kids mm-hmm. who could fake it real well, yeah. and it never caused an, an issue. Um, but, you know, uh, Saroja did a, did a good job, and he worked hard. And Christy and I, as parents, and I tell this story, we poured everything we could into him to try to help him be successful. And I'm proud to say we pulled out a 2.2 GPA (laughs) by the time he graduated. And I'm proud of that because his his abilities, he certainly was was capable of that, but there were things that his desires and what made him tick wasn't necessarily the traditional model of what, where it comes easy for kids. And so at that point in time, that's where, you know, you really begin to learn this role of continuum of being able to provide support for the kid who just may not like school as much is, it's hard work. I think at the early years, that relationship building is so critical where they're feeling that there's good people here. I like them. My social circle is, is one that is edifying to me. That's important throughout. But then as it gets more complex as they get older, and what we begin to um, really find the need for, and and my role now as a superintendent, is that heart for the kids who are looking at a different path, especially directly out of high school and into the workforce Mm -hmm. and the preparation that's needed there. Here in our community, I think we do the college thing pretty well. Mm -hmm. We have good paths for kids to be able to access college. But I lay awake at night thinking about those kids who need to maneuver, who don't want to necessarily, that that a traditional education is not 
not their path they want to take, but how they maneuver that. I like to say every kid who graduates, who leaves our system, every single one of them needs more education. That is, that is a given. But today that education can come in so many different many ways. Many different forms than it used to. You know, a four-year, a two-year, military, uh, apprenticeships. Apprenticeships, yep. Those types of things are invaluable. And so what we found with our son, because we had three, three kids who went to very, um, uh, who are going to very, went and have gone to uh, very good universities and very tough universities to get into, and their path was a little easier for there. We found it, we found it much more difficult to help maneuver and guide mm. Sorosia on his path into career. He hit a snag. He wanted to go military, and that was a great option. And then there was a medical thing that, mm. that came up that, that put that barrier in front of him. And so we began to look in, in other places. And I'll be honest with you. You know, he's working full-time and we're, uh, right now, and we're extremely proud of him. But he's still searching. He's still searching mm-hmm. for what will that path be in regards to a certificate, in regards to a, to a trade, to a training sure. that's going to take me to the next level. Because he knows that you know the traditional four-year th- uh, college uh, uh, path is not for him, mm-hmm. at least right now. Yeah, maybe in five years, sure. maybe in ten. Who knows? But we definitely know and see that he's wired different. But those are the types of things that I think us being open to as educators to say we do the college thing well. We need to put exceptional effort and focus into our kids who are taking a path that is directly into workforce. And that's why I have a passion for career tech education and trying to hook our kids um, who have a harder time finding that niche uh, into that path. And not not looking down on that. Oh, my gosh, no. Because it's, it's... it's a different path. It's not a. It's not a better path. It's not a. It's a different. It, yeah. It's a different path. And so many people, I mean, you look at all these success stories, and I mean, who, who didn't go to college or went to college for a year, and and and, I mean, our major corporations were founded by people that. I mean, I have a good friend who he never went to college. He went straight into the workforce and worked his way up, and he is, he is in a position where. He's making a whole lot more money than I am, mm-hmm. and, and and he he's doing something he loves. But he, he right. got that like that that apprenticeship type thing and mm-hmm. really worked at it, and he is hugely successful. I have spoken in the last month to Marietta Valley Unified School District graduates. Mm-hmm. One went to a four year university and is having a difficult time finding a job mm-hmm. in their field. And so they work at a, at a position that is close to minimum wage with close to $100,000 in student loan debt. That is a very real problem. Yeah. And it's something that's important that we guide and help discern our young people toward di- yeah. different things. Conversely, talk to another uh, grad about five years out, makes $120,000 in the computer field. Never went to um, uh, a formal uni- traditional, traditional university. Did a lot of education mm-hmm. to learn how this software works, how yeah. to be certified with this, uh, and uh, is set himself up in a very positive way. 
And that's a really important thing that we acknowledge for, for our families and for our students. There are a lot of different paths that not only are honorable and critical for our economy, but that will provide you a path to have a very uh, fulfilling, fulfilling life um, and be have the ability to, to raise a family. And there is, you know, there's no magic uh, uh, one single path uh, to do that. And so that, but this is why that college track, that's an easy one to navigate. That's an easy one to yeah. navigate. The other one, that apprenticeship, that uh, uh, making taking a look at the different types of certifications that you can mm-hmm. get, that's tough. Yeah. That is difficult. And you have to really be adept. What we've learned as parents now is be adept at maneuvering that and helping to make those connections uh, uh, for families. And so my heart is there because we have a lot of those kids and they need, that's the path they need, and our economy and our region needs them yeah. to be fully functional and to be trained and to be ready for that workforce. And so I really see as a core mission for us to make that easy yeah, for them to yeah. be able to figure out how to do it. I think just, and just the awareness, I mean, hearing, hearing your story, again, personally, how that helped shape you professionally and, I mean, over the years and now today, how it's become such a, a focus of what, you stand for and what our district stands for, and I'm proud to be a part of that. But I just think the awareness of seeking that out, what is it that you, meaning speaking to a student, what is it that you are passionate about? What is it that you mm-hmm. want to do? I mean, before we started recording it, the we talked about the, I wish my teacher knew. Mm-hmm. It's something that I saw on Twitter several years ago, and I encourage my teachers now at the beginning of the year, and we're at the elementary level, but at you want to know that. Yeah. You ask your kids, I wish my teacher knew because that's how you find out right. what the, I mean, not everybody's going to fit into that box. I wish my teacher knew my dad's in prison. Mm-hmm. I wish my teacher knew I don't eat breakfast in the morning. I wish my teacher knew that these things that, oh my goodness, or I wish my teacher knew that I love to write. I right. love to, Things and, that could take you in a completely, you could help nurture that, foster that, yeah. that could take them in a completely different direction. Brent, you are really hitting on something. You, we, have to, we have to push on these topics. We have to push on asking those things. One of the things I'm most proud of in, in the district is our work that starts in middle school up through high school that culminates in the senior uh, culmination project yeah. where our seniors in order to graduate have to present their plan for their next step in mm-hmm. life and the reason that we do that is not to give them another hoop in order to graduate and that it's an sure. arbitrary thing but that we have to be purposeful about thinking about what is our next step and how are we going to do it and when you communicate that with the adult supports mm-hmm. in the community and with the school district, those are messages to us of, wow, we've got to work on that one better. Here are some things that we can do to help make these connections happen for kids a little bit more smoothly and readily yeah. so that they can actually achieve their goals that they're setting yeah. up. Well, I, I just, it resonates when you when you told me that kind of what you what you wanted to share I, I, it's so personal again as a parent how that can affect my daughter who is now in high school 
um, I remember when she went into fourth grade and she was going to a new school. We had moved and she was now going to a new school and she was incredibly, she was anxious, understandably so, about sure. coming to a new school. She was going from primary to upper and it was, it was going to be a tough thing. And I remember at that time I was still teaching fifth grade and I was in my room getting ready over the last few days of summer. And I remember as I was getting ready, thinking about my daughter who was, she was really having a hard time. And I remember thinking, man, if she could just, if she could just see her classroom where she's going to be for the next 180 days, if she could just hear her teacher's voice, do you know how much, how much that would help her? And it was like, bing, the light bulb went off. I came back the next day with a flip cam and took a video of my classroom and posted it, just basically gave a guided tour. Hey, boys and girls, if you're going to be in my class this year, this is what your room's going to look like. And, and, and just did the whole thing. But, but the inspiration from that, it wasn't the 32 kids who were going to be on my roster. It was my daughter. Mm -hmm. Because I thought, wow, if she could have had this, she would have slept better the night before. She would have been so much more comfortable. So it, personally, a, per, a family situation affected me professionally. Did everybody watch that video? No. No. But if one kid did and slept better the night before, if, right. one, if one family, if one mom or dad saw that and said, wow, he took the time to do that and now... She's read that because first day of school. Let's be honest. That's a yeah. that's a stressful day. Mm -hmm. uh, and if they come in and say, "Oh, there's the bean bags that I saw in the video," or something like that. So if anyone's listening, I mean, just take your personal. It's not that's not a bad thing. Take your personal experiences right. and let it learn from your mistakes, learn from your successes right. personally. Let it shape you professionally. Take your personal experiences and know what what they answer because many times and and realize and have the vulnerability to be able to say wow there is another world outside of my personal experiences and and sometimes we're lucky enough to have things thrown our way yeah. where we're forced to learn and look at things different differently and i th i see that as a gift yeah i see that as a real gift when when that happens but if that's not there at least an awareness of educators to be able to say it is different, and I must, I have to acknowledge that, and I have to constantly be thinking about how I make that significant connection for that kid because it's that relationship that is going to be able to keep them going yeah. and hopeful and positive about where ultimately their path is leading. Mm -hmm. And uh, those kids who have, where it's just a little bit rougher patch in the, in the K-12 system, they're the ones that I think we have to double down our efforts because some of the other kids sail through just fine. Yep. Yep. No, I, I, I hear, you know, I'm, I'm so, I'm, I'm excited. And in, in episode six, I'm actually going to, my dad. So oh. if you're listening, tune into episode six next week, cause I'm actually gonna have my dad on who is not a classroom teacher, but has done a lot of things and taught a lot of people. And, that's what we're going to talk. We're going to talk about relationships and uh, and some, just kind of piggyback on what we've started today. That yeah. it all starts with relationships, and That's it. and and I'll I will close with Rita Pearson. I don't know if if Pat, you've seen this TED talk. Rita Pearson, 
gave a TED talk, and in it she talked about one of her colleagues said, like, they don't pay, they don't pay me to like the kids. They pay me to teach them. And her response was, you know that kids don't learn from people they don't like. That's right. And it's all, I mean, if you don't have a relationship with them, the chances of you really impacting them to the fullest potential, it's going way down. So yeah. anyway, Pat, thank you so much. Totally appreciate it. And thank you, Brent. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed this immensely. And remember, everyone, thanks for listening. Really appreciate you. Uh, you can find this podcast if you're listening. I kind of thought about this. If you can listen, if you're listening, you probably already found it. We, you can find it on my website at brentcully.com on the podcast page. You can also subscribe in iTunes or Google Play. And if you like what you hear, give us a review. We would appreciate it. Once again, thanks so much, and we will see you next time. <laughs>